research that resonates. Schweitzer has not been wrong on any of his years and years of reporting on the Bidens. Investigations that matter. If your last name wasn't Biden, do you think you would have been asked to be on the board of Burisma? I don't know. I don't know. Probably not. But that's, you know, I, I don't think that there's a lot of things that would have happened in my life that, uh, that if my last name wasn't Biden. The only entities, the only people that would report on this, and Peter Schweitzer, who deserves a Medal of Freedom, in my view. This is The Drill Down with Peter Schweitzer. Hi, this is Peter Schweitzer, and welcome to The Drill Down, where we relentlessly expose corruption, cronyism, and the abuse of power in Washington, D.C. I'm joined today, as I am with every episode, by author and vice president of the Government Accountability Institute, Eric Eggers. So, Eric, I'm going to go out on a limb here and guess that you took Latin in high school. Uh, that's a great guess because of my elevated standardized test scores, but it would be incorrect. No, I did, I did not take any. I took French, actually. You took French. Okay. Oh, maybe in sir. Well, I'm going to use a little bit of Latin uh, today. Qui bono. Qui bono. That Latin phrase means who benefits. And we're going to take a look today at this grand act of bipartisanship that happened in Washington, D.C. over the infrastructure bill, where you had 19 Republican senators join with all Democrats uh, to pass this massive bill. Now, bipartisanship is great. We all embrace it. We all think it's wonderful. But the question is, how does it actually get done? How do you actually secure bipartisanship? How did you get 19 Republicans, many of them who were vocally opposed to this bill because it was big, fat and out of control, um, and they ended up voting for it? That's what we're going to talk about today. And so my question to you, Eric, is looking at the infrastructure bill, who do you think actually benefits Quay Bono? Quay Bono uh, is the answer of the American public, right, who have long suffered with deteriorating roads. And uh, I mean, obviously, there there is a legitimate need in this country yes. for yep. uh, improvement in infrastructure. We see studies all the time about these bridges. I mean, we had a bridge collapse in yep. Florida yep. a couple years ago, right? I mean, so infrastructure is an actual need. Absolutely. Uh, and it does look like this bill, I mean, you'd think for a trillion dollars, you're doing something, right? right? Right. So it does look like this bill is addressing those needs. But, you know, you hear all the time, there's needs and then there's wants. <laughs> and I think based on our research, this bill also addresses some wants of some key members of the United States Senate or potentially uh, addresses, put some money in some things that some family members of the United States senators that voted for this bill might want down the line. That's right. And this is a really interesting exercise when you look at the question of who benefits. Um the average American is going to benefit a little bit, right? We're going to get slightly better roads. We're going to maybe get uh, a little bit better, uh, uh, you know, internet uh, coverage, broadband coverage in certain parts of the country. So there's going to be a slight benefit for everyone, but there's going to be concentrated benefit uh, among a few real b big winners. And the analogy I would use is if you look at like a class action lawsuit, right? Lawyers sue somebody, class action lawsuit, they go after a big company and there are 30 million people that suffered and they all get a check for $13, right? <laughs> uh, because of this I don't know why I'm laughing. This is a terrible scenario. It's like obviously <laughs> right. somebody's been wronged if there's a big lawsuit, right? But, right, but, yeah. but you get 40 million people to get $13 each. Okay, it's 13 bucks. But the trial lawyers are taking in tens of millions of dollars. They're the real big winners. And I'm going to argue today that the same thing happened with this infrastructure bill. Remember, there were 2000 companies and organizations that lobbied on this bill mm -hmm. on the first part of the year. And so let's take a look 
at some of the Republican senators who ended up supporting this bill when they previously had expressed doubts about it. Well, and or I mean, it's hard to get anything done in Washington, D.C., right? I mean, we're so divided. Uh, Generally speaking, there's not been a ton of support for things from the Biden administration by Republicans in the Senate. So when 19 members of the United States Senate support something, uh, you know, I think it's fair to ask questions. Well, why did they support it? And what's wrong with the other 31 that didn't, right? Or however many other Republican senators there are. So, um, but yeah, one of the key people that supported this thing is Senator Roy Blunt. Now, you've long documented uh, Senator Blunt's um, unique relationship with the influence industry, right? He's got right. multiple family members <laughs> that that are lobbyists, uh, including his son, who's the former governor of Missouri, Matt, who's now a lobbyist. His wife, Abigail, is a lobbyist, and she's a lobbyist for a company called uh, Kraft Heinz. It should be pointed out that unlike some people who might become lobbyists when you know their family members become elected, Abigail has been lobbying for a long time. In fact, it was lobbying when they were dating. Right? That's right. That's right. So you know, real, real influence right there. <laughs> <laughs> but she is a lobbyist for Kraft Heinz, which is obviously the the food company, and they'd previously expressed concern about infrastructure at the border crossing area, right in Mexico and in Canada. And how about old Abigail getting some done? Because what does the new bill contain? Specifically contains provisions for infrastructure improvements at border crossing areas. That's right. I mean, so Kraft Heinz got something specifically they had expressed a lot of concern about. uh, And Roy Blunt supported this bill. And the thing that's interesting about Roy Blunt is, you know, he's a powerful Republican senator. A lot of people don't know the name. Uh, He's from Missouri. Uh, He's the ranking member on the Senate Rules Committee, which means they get to set the rules on how bills and other matters are handled in the Senate. He's the chairman of the Senate Republican Policy Committee. So he has a lot of uh, power and influence. And so if he gets persuaded, to support a bill. Um, that means he's going to carry some other Republican senators with him. And yes, Abigail, his wife, uh, who is the chief lobbyist for Kraft Heinz, um, her company did quite well uh, with this bill. Um, but he also has a daughter, Amy. I mean, this is a multi-generational uh, lobbying family. Um, his daughter, Amy, works for a lobbying firm called Hush Blackwell Strategies, uh, and they specialize in infrastructure, public-private partnerships, which sound lovely, right? We're going to get the, the the government and businesses together in partnership. What can go long, wrong? There's no cronyism. There's no corruption. There's no influence peddling that takes place there. Um, and they focus, her firm focuses on broadband infrastructure, water and waste uh, facilities, uh, and other mixed-use development infrastructures. And they actually expressed on their website uh, uh, real enthusiasm as it relates to Texas, just the state of Texas, not to mention many others, um, as it comes to infrastructure. So it's funny when you've got, I mean, maybe when they're sort of pigging it out, like, okay, doing the math, right? who can we get? Do we think we can get Senator Blunt to support this bill? Well, his daughter works for a firm that lobbies on infrastructure topics, right? Mm. So maybe he wasn't the hardest ask in the world. That's exactly right. And this is, so this is what uh, the daughter of Roy Blunt, uh, Amy, what her firm said about infrastructure and the infrastructure bill. And I love this kind of language because you can put it in, in, in sort of I'm going to have you put it in regular English okay. after I read their I'll version. I'll try to translate. Yeah. Significant levels of federal funding are expected for transportation infrastructure projects. We view investment in transportation infrastructure as a historic opportunity to achieve multiple goals. The, Translation. Y'all, we about to get paid. <laughs> 
<laughs> and they are. Um, and, and what's interesting is when you look at the infrastructure bill, um, a lot of the infrastructure bill money uh, is going to be sent to the state level, right? People don't realize it's not identifying this bridge or mm-hmm. that road. The state is going to decide. And what happens is at the state levels, there's lobbying that takes place. And it's interesting to Roy point out that there, Senator Roy Blunt has another son or has a son named Andy Blunt, um, who is a lobbyist in the state of Missouri uh, with Statehouse Strategies. Right. And they lobby on, what is it? Infrastructure projects. Yeah, Missouri, the state of Missouri related issues, right? Yeah, and, yeah. He, and he has previously lobbied on infrastructure related topics in uh, you know 2015 when they were passing those things. So, right. So this is not an area that's unfamiliar to Andy Blunt. Uh, but that's not all, right? We got his wife, we got his daughter, we got his son, and then his other son, the former governor of Missouri, Matt Blunt, is the head of the American Automotive Policy Council, which represents you know major automotive uh, companies, and um, they you know are very excited because I think there's you know, all these new car companies are pushing for electric vehicles, they're trying right. to roll them out. Do you think that's a real thing, by the way? I mean, do you think that the majority of the consumers like support the idea of electric vehicles? Is that some? Is there as much of a consumer demand for them as you think that we're being told there is? I think most people, in theory, like the idea of electric cars. Yeah. I certainly do. I don't have an electric car yet. For me, part of it's the range, right? Mm-hmm. The range is 200, 250 miles. Um, so I think there's a push by a lot of people yeah. to encourage electric cars and there is in this bill a huge amount of money that's going to be spent building up the infrastructure to help electric cars hopefully become more popular. And the big winners are the big three major auto companies, Ford, General Motors, and the parent company of Dodge Chrysler, who all, by the way, are the ones that bankroll former Governor Matt Blunt, the son of Senator Roy Blunt's uh, uh, organization called the American Automotive Policy Council. Seven and a half billion dollars for funding for electric vehicle charging stations. Will that be enough to get Peter Schweitzer to buy an electric vehicle? Uh, I'm not going to commit yet. Yeah, I'm. I'm, I'm, I'm considering it. What about you? Uh, you've got you've got three kids to uh, to ferry around, so I'm not sure a 200 mile range is going to go very far in the uh, Eggers household. Yeah, not until having an electric vehicle is like enough status. You know, <laughs> like if that be- <laughs> if it becomes a more coveted social accomplishment, then you probably get me. Until then, exactly. nah. Exactly. So R- Senator Roy Blunt, who had expressed skepticism about the size of this bill, ended up voting for it. Uh, I would argue one of the reasons he voted for it is his family members all uh, uh, did quite well. Mm-hmm. Their entities did quite well as it relates to this. Well, I think what we should say, right, because the money hasn't actually been spent yet, right? right. I mean, this is like there's money for these things. It will be spent. It will go to the states. And so what we're really pointing out is here are the people who have who voted for the bill, who have connections to people who stand to benefit from yeah, this, and right? And who, who seem well positioned Correct, yeah. to benefit from this it's bill. It's all about positioning. Yes, that's exactly right. So Senator Roy Blunt, who is from Missouri, mm-hmm. the show me state, I think we show you that his family members uh, and their entities uh, stand to potentially do quite well when this infrastructure bill becomes law. Is that is that what's going to happen when you improvise? You know, absolutely. This is this, okay, this is Schweitzer this, humor. Keep it to the script, Schweitzer. <laughs> this is Schweitzer humor. Uh, Senator Lindsey Graham. Uh, now he's somebody that you see a lot on uh, on cable news. Um, is quite outspoken about what he sees as excessive as excessive spending in Washington D.C. Uh, he ended up voting for this bill. Uh, Lindsey Graham does not have uh, an extensive family like Senator Blunt, um, but he has a lot of big campaign donors, right? 
he does not have an extensive family like Senator Blunt, but he does have campaign donors. That's right. That's right. He's got he's got mouths <laughs> to feed as well. Uh, in 2020, he was up for reelection. A lot of people thought it was going to be a, a close race. It ended up not being a close race, but he raised a ton of money. And among his top 10 biggest donors were Lockheed, Microsoft, Comcast and AT&T. Um, so, you know, Senator Blunt um, has Matt and Amy and Andy. Uh, the uh, senator from South Carolina, Lindsey Graham, has Lockheed, Microsoft, Comcast, and at and he's got, he's got his, Who says corporations aren't people, you know? <laughs> uh, no, and, the, and the, of those, right, they all stand to benefit in, in some ways, or at least, um, you know, Comcast and AT&T. And I'm sure uh, if we looked into it, I'm sure Microsoft is not, like, uninterested in this, right? Because right. the, these companies all lobbied, I believe, on behalf of the bill. But, uh, but Comcast is the one that we want to spend a little bit of time on because it's really interesting. Uh, we, I think we've mentioned in a previous podcast that there's some money that's being spent on making permanent what was a pandemic era relief package, right? Where you would get, I think, $50 or you mm-hmm. get $30 for internet service uh, if you were of a certain status, right? You met certain socioeconomic uh, conditions. You could be on EBT or things like that. And so they're now making that permanent um, and even, I think, upping the amount of money that you get uh, per month. But, um, or excuse me, rather down, right? It was 50 bucks yeah. and now it's going to be 30, but it's going to yeah. be permanent. So, um, you know, lots of money for broadband and internet infrastructure here. It's 65 billion towards extending broadband networks. Uh, 40 billion goes to states to do work with the Department of Commerce. 14 billion is going to make that uh, emergency broadband benefit uh, permanent, right? So, and there's a lot of different things that are going to extend internet service to areas that are underserved and, and things like that. Um, and so why, you know, so, so Comcast is not mentioned specifically in the bill, right? But it doesn't need to be because, because why? Because, um, they dominate, um, the broadband internet market. Uh, they in charter communications account for 70% of the market. So when you say we're going to provide, um, this subsidy for people to get broadband, um, that means 70% of the time it's going to end up with Comcast or charter communications. And, you know, what's interesting is Comcast during the first six months of this year, when this bill was being introduced, they spent $6.7 million lobbying Capitol Hill. Mm -hmm. And just to stay with our, our analogy, um, that, that these, you know, you've got Senator Blunt has got his kids and Lindsey Graham doesn't have kids, but he's got these large companies that are donors. Comcast is clearly the problem child. (laughs) Because they are the least popular company in America. Comcast is Lindsey Graham's Hunter Biden, right? (laughs) (laughs) But they, I mean, survey after survey, people hate Comcast. But Comcast uh, has the potential to be a huge winner here. As you point out, you've got the subsidy. You've got, um, you know, $65 billion for extending the uh, broadband networks. Uh, You've got another $40 billion that's going to go to the states and the Commerce Department to dole out on these projects. And so, again... Again, Comcast, they spend $6.7 million lobbying. You don't think they're going to have the machine cranked up to get as much of that money as possible. Yeah, I have a tendency in like friendships and relationships that because I'm generally a fairly positive guy, right? So when yep. my friends are having like kind of a tough thing happen to them, I try to be like, well, yeah, like I'm so sorry that's happening. I do think like God will use it or maybe here's a positive thing right. you can see out of right. it, right? Yep. Uh, Comcast has no problem seeing the positives <laughs> from the, re- the last 18 months of the global pandemic. Yeah. Uh, their largest ever single year growth in residential high-speed customers and revenues happened in 2020. Now, part of that makes sense, right? Because everybody's stuck at home, you need the internet, so you can sort of understand why. But 
a little bit of a problem, right? Because they didn't exactly, I mean, maybe they sort of earned their nickname or reputation as the most hated company because they got dinged, right? They were raising their rates at uh, 15.9%, more than double the rate of inflation of all goods and services um, over the last four years, right? So they've been jacking up their rates higher than anybody else and uh, made a ton of money during a pandemic and now have used the pandemic to lobby for the permanent establishment of a subsidy that will go to America's most hated company. That's right. And the subsidy, I mean, here's the thing. We've shown that they uh, increased their their rates uh, well above inflation. If you say, which this bill says, that we're going to put $30 in the hands of people to help them pay for internet service, I'm going to go out on a limb here and guess that Comcast is going to raise the price of their service $30 uh, because that's what happens. Whenever you subsidize something, you get price increases, you get more of it. Uh, that's what happens, and that's what I think Comcast is going to do. So, um, But they won, right? So, but they did. They're, they're having a great year. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Comcast, America's uh, least uh, liked company, is having a banner year and appears to be positioned uh, to do quite well because of this infrastructure bill. Uh, but it doesn't just end with uh, Roy Blunt um, and uh, with Lindsey Graham. Uh, we have the Graham Poobah on the Republican side in the Senate, and that would be Senator Mitch McConnell, uh, the Republican leader. Um, you know, it's interesting to note that on August 5th, right as this vote was was getting ready to go down. So like just a few weeks ago. Yeah, just a few weeks ago, uh, his wife, Elaine Chow, joined the board of directors of Kroger, the grocery store chain, which is interesting. She's been on corporate boards in the past. Uh, certainly she was qualified. the secretary of labor, right? Yeah, so yeah, secretary of labor, secretary of transportation, uh, uh, you know, certainly uh, understands uh, the corporate world. But it's interesting to note that Kroger and who would think on an infrastructure bill that Kroger actually stands to benefit from this bill as well? How is Kroger going to benefit um, from a infrastructure bill? Um, and, and you know, is this somehow related to um, one of the roles that Elaine Chow is going to play, which is, you know, trying to navigate things in Washington? Yeah, just a potentially interesting connection that one of Kroger's big initiatives has been supporting what they call recycling infrastructure expansion via, quote, industry, governmental and non-governmental forums. Now, I don't really know what recycling infrastructure <laughs> is or means. I know some people might think like recycling is actually kind of a scam, right? We've kind of been sold this thing for 30 years. Right. And like how much is it, how much environmental benefit does it actually do? Right. Uh, but Kroger's in favor of it. Right. And it's worth pointing out that three weeks you know, ago, Lin Chow joins the board of Kroger. They're big proponents of this uh, infrastructure thing with the recycling. And the bill happens to include money for pushing more, quote, recycling infrastructure. Yeah. Exactly right. So again, we're not saying it's directly connected, but you find this interesting pattern that people that were uh, generally opposed to the infrastructure bill thought it was too big, there was too much fat, there was too much pork in it, suddenly turned around and voted for it. Um, And part of the explanation, I think, is the fact that among their family, among their friends, among their big donors, uh, they're big, uh, big uh, winners. Um, So we've been talking a lot about the Republicans, um, but there was a centrist Democrat. Uh, who also uh, ended up voting in, f- in favor of this infrastructure bill, even though he had expressed concerns. That would be Senator Joe Manchin, a uh, Democrat of West Virginia. Now, Senator Manchin uh, is in a very unique position in Washington, D.C. Um, he's kind of a pivotal member of the U.S. Senate. The Senate is just divided 50-50 between Republicans and Democrats. He's one of those that's not quite as liberal as Elizabeth Warren and the others. Um, and he's expressed concern about some of the big um, uh, 
uh, uh, spending and initiatives that have been put forward by the Biden administration. So he's kind of the swing vote. A mm-hmm. lot of people look to him. He's having a moment, as they say. He's having a moment. And the question is, does that make him a swinger, Eric? Uh, only in the sense that it makes you funny. So <laughs> in exactly the same way. <laughs> so here's what's interesting. Very interesting. Uh, he has a wife, Gail Manchin, uh, uh, I'm sure a very lovely uh, a person, very accomplished person. In March of 2021, um, she was nominated to serve as the co-chairman of the Appalachian Regional Commission, which is this federal government agency that uh, spends a lot of money in the Appalachian region um, uh, trying to improve the economic conditions there. She's going to get a salary of $163,000 for doing so. But... Very interesting. This infrastructure bill that her husband ended up voting for includes $1 billion set aside for, drumroll, the Appalachian Regional Commission, of which she has, you know, been appointed uh, the co-chairman. Right. So, again, are we saying it's a quid pro quo? No. Are we saying that Joe Manchin only voted for this thing because... This commission that his wife was recently appointed to just got a billion dollars to help distribute. No, but I think it's a noteworthy connection, right? That specifically Joe Biden appointed his wife to the commission in March. And now Joe Manchin's position to be a key vote on this major initiative for Joe Biden. And they'd happen to give a billion dollars to this commission. They just gave his wife the stewardship of. That's right. But but that's not where the money trail ends. Um, The Appalachian Commission stands to do quite well um, because Mrs. Manchin is there. And, um, you know, notice that um, in the three point five trillion dollar federal budget um, that they're going to take up next. Remember, there's been this big debate. We Mm -hmm. have the infrastructure bill that was passed first. You've got this massive three point five trillion dollar bill. What did they carve into that? I think is an inducement for Manchin to vote for it. Uh, uh, they put money in there for the Appalachian Regional Commission. Yeah, the ARC also got $300 million from the uh, American Rescue Plan that they passed like early on in the Biden administration. So that it's, it's a well-funded organization, as it turns out. That's right. So, you know, we have this partisan divide in, in Washington, D.C., between Republicans and Democrats. Uh, people wonder, how are we ever going to smooth over these divisions? Yeah. Turns out that money is a great uniter. If you can give money uh, to pet causes or interests or um, you know people affiliated with family members, you can, I would argue, persuade people, you know, nudge them a little bit to vote in favor of something. And the problem is, who ends up paying for this? We end up paying for this. Yeah, it's just funny. Like, none of the people that are married to or related to these senators, they're not working at like Jiffy Lube, right? <laughs> I mean, like, it's just interesting that yeah. they all happen to work at- for places or with places that get federal money or that stand to benefit from this infrastructure bill. That's right. You know, a rising tide lifts all boats. A rising politician lifts all family members uh, if they know what they're doing. And, you know, so how does this go down? People will ask me from time to time, how does this actually go down? Do they sit down and kind of carve this out in a very crass way? And I think sometimes they do. Right. That's the, the, the sort of unsophisticated way to do it. But there's really a code and a language in Washington, D.C. that a lot of people aren't aware of. And it's become so familiar to the way that Washington operates um, that sometimes you don't even need to communicate it. You simply put something in a bill and, you know, Joe Manchin or, um, uh, you know, Roy Blunt knows why that's in the bill. And it's a signal to him 
that they want to play the game. And, you know, one of my favorite um, descriptions of this process um, comes from Earl Long, who was the former governor of Louisiana in the 40s and 50s, brother to Huey Long. I was going to ask, relations of yeah, brother. brother of Huey Long. Uh, he was known as Uncle Earl uh, when he was governor. He was also uh, famous uh, because he got involved with a New Orleans stripper named Blaze Star. Um, but he described how this works, how you play the influence game, how you buy people off, how you pay people off. And I think it describes the process perfectly. He said, don't write anything you can phone. Don't phone anything you can talk. Don't talk anything you can whisper. Don't whisper anything you can smile. Don't smile anything you can nod. And don't nod anything you can wink. In other words, you don't have to verbalize these things. We don't want to um, get into any ethical or legal questions right. about vote buying. Uh, it's become second nature to the way Washington works. And that's why when people say, I want bipartisanship, I agree with them in principle, but I wonder below the surface, do you really want bipartisanship given what it entails in today's Washington? So the point is, Earl Long would be a big fan of texting emojis, right? <laughs> Just the implied meaning. Right. Why, why spell it out, right? Thumbs up. Thumbs All we need is the thumbs up. Dollar sign thumbs up. Well, this is Peter Schweitzer, and I've been joined, as always, by uh, author Eric Eggers, vice president at the Government Accountability Institute, here on The Drill Down. We appreciate you joining us. If you're interested in hearing more of our podcasts or looking at some of the news coverage that is related to this podcast, you can go to thedrilldown.com. Thanks so much for joining us. Thank you.